There now follows a podcast from the Damien Gen World Service here in London as part of their Not Just Crew COVID-19 season. This audio production has been produced in association with Air Support International Airways. And the first time I thought, or, or even thought it could be, um, I just thought I got really bad flu, was when the paramedic came after the 999 call. Because it was still, I haven't met anyone from China, I haven't been close to anyone who's, who's confirmed. He came in with a face mask and he said, yeah, these are, these are symptoms. It was the first medical person who sort of confirmed it to go, this is, like every single case we're taking as hospital, this is exactly what they're, they're showing. That was Matt Dockery, ex-CAM crew member and survivor of COVID-19. He joined us on this episode of Not Just Crew to tell us his story and take questions from listeners. His post went global on Facebook and was taken up by Sky News and other media outlets and was eventually seen by millions. Until this time, I'm not sure how many of us really took this illness that seriously. After all, it was the end of March and the beginning of April. The weather was absolutely glorious and for most of us, it was our first chance not only to enjoy the weather, but also to sit in our long-awaited gardens. Then sitting on the sofa one day watching the news, I suddenly saw Matt seriously ill and lying in a intensive care unit. That's where the penny really dropped at how serious COVID-19 is. Well, you can continue to follow his recovery on his personal blog, OrdinarySurvivor.com. Well, once again, uh, apologies for the sound quality of some of the sound, i.e. me. Uh, this is because my segments were recorded on a uh, internal mic on the laptop. Great to see you. Um... We, we talked about you on a, uh, a previous uh, episode after, after we saw, well, you literally became an overnight sort of sensation when we saw uh, how ill you'd, you'd become. I was on the uh, couch watching Sky News uh, with my daughters and I literally um, saw a big picture of you come, come up on the screen. And uh, I was really shocked. You're literally the first person I'd, I'd actually sort of physically known and we'd gone down with uh, uh, COVID-19. Um, obviously, th- this came out after you uh, sent out a Facebook post. Uh, how quick was your reaction? And, and did you think it would go uh, this, this viral? Um, didn't have a clue, mate. Good to see you as well, by the way. Yeah, you too. Um, yeah, the, um, <laughs> yeah, it was a weird one. If you go back to when that was all happening, I think there was about 500, 600 people who got it. There's about 10 people who passed away from it. And I'd felt crap for ages, really, really ill. And progressively got worse, rushed into hospital. You sat there, you've been given all that information. And I'm not one for, when you put a post on there, you, it's, it's to people like you and all your mates and everything going, shit, I didn't take this seriously. And, and it, it, it's bad. And I'm in hospital now, I'm in the middle of it. It was just the only way I could to communicate to as many people as possible to sort of take it seriously. Um, and then... As it fast forward, it was really surreal because I, I sort of woke up and my phone, I've got every single alert and every share and every message. And I also woke up to see me dad on Sky News through a window. And you know, when it's like, oh, this is really surreal. And you're not sort of with it anyway. But um, yeah, did not realise that, first of all, the impact it had or how serious it was. And yeah, so it's it's good in the end, yeah. Yeah. What, what, what was the start of it? I mean... Th- did you, I mean, COVID-19 was just starting and I think I might have had it myself when I came back from uh, Hong Kong. Not, not so sure. So what are the, I mean, I know on TV you said you'd, you'd been to a, 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 a Villa game. 
what, what was your first inkling? Did you just think it was uh, feeling rough, a bout of flu, or had you heard of COVID-19 and did you think it could possibly be that? Yeah, well, the missus had been ill, um, Mel, like not long after January. She was like, it was just like flu. So she had every symptom I have. So it's, it's pretty safe to say she's, she'd had it. And she went through all the same symptoms. She felt really crap. She was still going into the pub, coming back. This is January time, sort of into February. Um, and then I thought, oh, well, I didn't get it off her. I'd, I've gone without getting the flu and so did the little one. Um, and at the time we were opening a brand new venue in London in King's Cross. So it's a really, really busy time. You're nonstop, you're in and out of London, you commute and you just run down anyway. And it just felt like a bit of a cold, uh, felt like, like you, you'd normally have. And it progressively got worse and worse. And then you hit man flu stage, you know, when you want everyone to know you're ill. You're telling everyone, um, oh, God, I feel crap and um, I'm going to go home. Um, and that took about two weeks. At no point at that thing, it was, everyone was joking, oh, have you got coronavirus? That's what it was, say, back then. It was more of a joke, like, oh, do you reckon you've got it? Because no one was taking it seriously. It was, we had a meeting that day about printing little notes up to go in the venues about washing your hands with song lyrics. That's how seriously we were taking it at that time. Um, anyway, progressively worse. Came home from work on the Monday, went to watch Villa get spanked by Leicester 4-0 in the pub. <laughs> the horrendous day. And I was having a beer and it just tasted like water. It was like, and it was an IPA and thought, that's really weird. And I was like, that, this is the worst symptom of all. So sent it back and said, there must be something wrong with it. Taste another one. I was like, that's really weird. I've got, I must have a cold. I must have, but usually get a blocked nose and lose your sense of taste. Um, went home and just couldn't go into work the next day. I was working from home. That went on literally for a week and every single day you were getting worse and worse and worse. And the first time I thought or, or even thought it could be, um, I just thought I got really bad flu was when the paramedic came after the 999 call because it was still, I haven't met anyone from China. I haven't been close to anyone who's, who's confirmed. He came in with a face mask and he said, yeah, these are, these are symptoms. It was the first medical person who sort of confirmed it to go, this is like every single case we're taking as hospital. This is exactly what they're, they're showing. Um, and even when you get to hospital, they test you. It's a good couple of days before you find out um, that, you, that you tested positive. Yeah, and did um, I mean, the symptoms, I mean, we've heard it starts with a cough and the uh, taste one. Um, was the cough as severe as they would, I mean, did, did it feel totally different? Can you ever compare it? To, yeah, to mate, the, the, flu? Weird, the weird thing looking back at it is you don't get a blocked nose. So if you get a cold and a flu, you're bunged up, your sinuses, it's not a sinus headache, it's a like a vice headache. The cough is indescribable because you're trying to hack stuff up and nothing's coming up and it's retching the back of your throat. So there's no phlegm coming up, there was no liquid coming up, uh, you can't taste anything, you can't smell anything. I, 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 it's a real weird thing to say, but you, you've never felt this ill. It's the only way I can say it, and, and I've had pretty much everything. <laughs> and who, who finally threw in the towel? Was it, was it yourself or Mel? I, I think I heard on sort of Sky, it was, it was Mel who said, you, you've yeah. got to get to hospital, we, we've got to call 999. Yeah, it was Mel, because you, you don't know how worse you're getting, if that makes sense. When you're in it, you just... And it got to this point where she was every day going, oh, you've, you had what I had, or yeah, you've got bad flu. And then it becomes the bit where you, you, they're watching you. And it's, and it's weird afterwards. It's your AVMEDs, your, your cabin crew training that kicks in because you're watching the breathing and you're looking at it and she's going, it's not right. And I'm arguing with my mum and dad. They're like, you go hospital. 
And I'm like, I'm not going. I'm, I'm one of them. You, 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 I'm not yeah, calling yeah. an ambulance. If people die. You've got to lose an arm or heart attack. That's what an ambulance is for. And you've you've exhausted every route, and you sat there, and you sort of like Mel's. Like, you can't get any worse than this. You're literally fighting for every breath. But she's she stood back watching it. So she just made the call. So when, when, we, when we actually saw you on, on Sky, I mean, we, we, we only saw a, a still. And I must admit, mate, it, it, it did look pretty scary. I mean, I, I, I know you was, um, I hadn't seen you for many years, but I know you was quite a happy chap. I remember after 9-11, you literally got New York sort of laughing. We, we, we went to a bar. Uh, the mood was really solemn. And yourself, and who was it? I don't know who the other chap's name was. He looked like a bit like Antor Deck. I can never which one. Paul, you Paul two. Which, who was it? Paul Kilner and Phil oh. Davis. Yeah. Phil That's Davis. right. I tell you, you got that whole bar rocking again. And this was literally a few days after 9 11. And I remember another occasion, um, I think we got you to do a PA in the voice of uh, uh, Chris Eubank to go through the uh, service. I don't even remember that, but you had the whole of the yeah. aircraft. Uh, wrong with laughter and and that's why I say I hadn't seen it for a few years but that's why it was a real real uh, uh, concern and that's when the penny dropped for me that oh my god you know th this thing is real rather than just sitting on our backs so going going forward a bit how long did it did you until you started to feel feel a bit a bit better um so time in hospice I was a week in um Madhu between Madhu and intensive care it was like a hybrid ward they've got Wexham Park and it took, I'd say, four days. The fourth day is when I'd been stable. And it was this, this, this sort of tilt of ICU, we're going, you're going to be exhausted at some point. As soon as you get exhausted and can't physically cope, we're, going to, we're putting you under and, and away you go. And then things started stabilizing. My, my, my oxygen stayed at around 89, 90. And then it just stayed, nothing got any better. And then suddenly there's like overnight they, they put me on this non-invasive ventilator machine and it just started to kick in slowly 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 um you still feel crap but then the symptoms go away bit by bit so the headache stops and then you you feel yourself the cough slowing down so you can start getting a breath in um but it took about four days in on that ward before you started feeling i've looked back through the text messages where you could be honest and go do you are I think we're all right here. Um, and, and again, it's still, it's a slow recovery, but when the symptoms go, you feel absolutely phenomenal. You feel amazing because all the things that made you feel crap, it's not the oxygen levels. It's all the stuff around it that makes you feel. Horrendous. Yeah, well, when you're, when you're in there, I mean, I say never having this, do you feel slightly delirious? And are you aware of other patients around you? They've got the same thing. Cause obviously you, you might see them, but there's no way of communicating with them. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's, it's very surreal. The weird, when I found out I got it, there's, so you're in, you've got, imagine like private rooms. It's a, it's a, it's a hybrid unit with all the gear in the private rooms to keep you isolated. And you can see out of a window to like a central area where all the doctors consultants are. And then the other side, you could see two rooms and two windows. And on the door was a laminated red rose, which is just a really weird thing to have. I remember asking the nurse what it was and she went, oh, don't worry about that. And then I looked and then you could see in the reflection, I had a red rose on my door and I was asking every morning, as a results back, have I got COVID? They're like, oh, we'll just go check, we don't know. Anyway, this, the night girl came in to take the blood and I said, what, what is that red rose? She goes, oh, it's, if you've got COVID, if you've got a confirmed case of COVID-19, you have a red rose on the door so that everyone knows that going into that room about the equipment they need to wear and it's confirmed. So what they weren't doing is panicking you by telling you 
they, they said, oh, we think you have, but it might be this or it might be this. So that's how you find it. So when you look at the other rooms, you know, because they've got a red laminate on the door. Um, but then as part of that, you're looking at a room and the one opposite, there was a, an elderly gentleman who went to sleep one night and just, he was gone the next. Um, and that, that's what you're in the middle of because you're focused on your little journey. But every time you look out, there was, there was eight people on that ward and, and there was only me and one other that made it out. And so I, I imagine it was quite a relief when they did let you go. Uh, when they did, when you were released, um, did you feel ready to go? Uh, I mean, or ready to leave, so I've got to be careful yeah. <laughs> ready to leave. Do you know what, it's a weird one. You'll always have that, when you're in a hospital, you think, no one ever wants to stay overnight. You want to go home, you want to get back to your family. And that was it. When you processed in your head, I want to see my family, I want to see me, I want to see Eleanor, I want to get home. And I could not have got out of that place quick enough because you realise as you go through the wards and you get closer to the door in terms of they don't just sort of kick you out of the ITU place. You go into a general ward and it, it was like your worst nightmare. It's you've got everyone moaning, everyone whinging, everyone, like everyone who's come in with a mild case of it. Obviously, it's still bad enough, but they're kicking off at the nurses. They're being rude to everyone. You've just gone from this absolute set of angels who are saving people's lives yeah. and resuscitating people. Yeah. And then you go to this place where it's almost like a hell on earth kind of, you just want out. Um, yeah, well, they obviously took you to their heart because I saw the pictures you put on uh, Facebook and I, I had a quick message with you and you said it's just like flying with a sort of perfect crew. You know, you wished it was a, a two-nighter rather than one-nighter, but no, they seem to really take you to heart. And, si and since then, I mean, your, your story has gone viral. Um, I saw you on the Lads Bible. Was, was that a direct interview with them or was it just... Uh, Something they quite quoted from you've been with Piers Morgan uh, as well. So, yeah, it was just a weird sort of progression. My dad went on because the, the Facebook post and they got an old telephone number, which was my mum and dad's from nearly 20 years ago. So they're wrong. And, and my dad was chatting to someone from Sky News and he'd sent a message and said, Oh, they want to know about you. And I, it, they were looking for stuff to take their mind off it. I said, Just go do an interview, do whatever it takes to get the message out that every dickhead's going to be out running around doing it. You go on and bollock everyone like you bollock me as a kid and, and tell people, <laughs> to wh whatever it takes, do it. So he gave him a sort of a something to focus on and talk about. That, that's the first time I've ever seen my dad cry. Never seen him cry. Yeah. yeah. And, and, break. And, and you don't realise, I think most of us are parents, and God forbid you'd end up in, in that situation. And then Sky News said, oh, will you do an interview with us? Now you've come out, it's like the recovery. And the story went from giving awareness to, to people to stay in how serious this was, to explaining what it was like, because cameras couldn't get into the matter units and intensive care and because it's all on lockdown. And then the third bit was all about, look, if you get this really, really you can come out the other side. I mean, it's, they say it's 50-50. At the minute, it's about 60-40 if you end up on a ventilator or you end up in those wards. Um, but it just progressed from there. I'm not sat here with a publicist reaching out. You'd One producer... Oh, wow. Um, then you get a message on Facebook, oh, good morning, Britain, or can you do this, or can you do this? And like we're talking now, is the only therapy you get. When you sit with your own thoughts thinking about it, it's like anything else, you wind yourself up, and when you're chatting about it, it's, it's like therapy. Um, but, yeah, that's how it progressed. So, so what, what are you going to do, do with the, this now? Um, we sort of chatted earlier, you said you had the idea that you might be starting a, uh, a blog just to get your story out there and and and, and really what 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 happens yeah um every time you speak to a producer every time you interview someone they go 
it's such a great story. I mean, anyone who's mates with me or who's been who mates for God knows how long, probably bored of it. Now, all sympathies worn off in this house. I think I've got my last cup of tea yeah. today. <laughs> but um, you want to tell the story because they're saying this isn't going away yeah. and it'll come back at some point. Mm. And the, we don't need to warn people to stay anymore. But what people need to understand is how it gets worse, what the symptoms are like, when to call for help, what you go through. So there is a bit of a fear factor involved in it because you wouldn't want and your worst enemy. Um, so yeah, rather than bore people on Facebook all the time and, and, and clog up that, the only way of doing it unfiltered is, is just writing my own blog. So I started it past couple of days, just writing all your thoughts down, writing all the little the nuances that you don't get to mention or talk about. Um, so yeah, it's called Ordinary Survivor. Um, I've put about three on there so far, but every day I'm going to update it and it'll be the stories of how amazing the NHS were, um, all the family that are involved, the signs and symptoms, the horrible bits that people don't want to think about. Um, and it is a, it's such a great purge. The past three days have been brilliant writing it all down. Uh, uh, where will they be able to find this? So it's on a website, www.ordinarysurvivor.com. Um, and I'll link it into a separate yeah, Instagram. Um, yeah, we're, we're turning this into an audio uh, podcast as well. And giving the details and we'll put that up as a... Uh, uh, put that up as a link. Uh, why yeah. silence there in the background? Hi, sight out the uh, out of the guest room. I just wondered if, from a um, NHS point of view, um, would have Matt been your perfect patient, or or how, how would it how would it have been? You must have come across so perfect, many perfect patients, right? Okay, wow. Or not well, because <laughs> it'd be no good having a, a patient as well, is there? Because that defeats <laughs> the object. Well, it's we've turned up to people who have been had all the symptoms like that Matt is presented with. You know, they're struggling for breath, like the oxygen levels, because like I think when Matt was saying earlier about the paramedics turning up and these oxygen levels, I think these lows were like 75%. We've been to like, and that's really low by the way, you know what I mean? There should be like 98, 99. If, you're, if you've got a breathing condition, COPD or really bad asthma, they're normally steady at 92, and that's when your lungs are not working properly. So Matt's, these lows, 75%. Oxygen's not getting to his, where it should be. Uh, so we've turned up the patients that have been in like 68% and we've had them on oxygen masks. So they're getting 100% oxygen pumped into them and they're still on 68%. Mm -hmm. so, so it's very similar to like what Matt's going through and you can, you can just see it's like, it's, it's, it's awful really because like what, what you would have been going through, Matt, it's just like, what the hell's going on, you know? And like, all these thoughts going through your mind. You've got this crew coming into you with all this equipment on. Yet, only two weeks ago, you were having these jokey conversations about COVID. You're never mm. going to get it. Then your friends and family are never going to get it. It's just something that you see on the news. And then it's like, oh my God, it's like, it's, what the hell's going on here? You know, like, and, all, and like, when we ever go to like people's properties, because we've got to wear this gear on all the time, even if it's not anything COVID. You can see they're like, they're like, they're just taken aback. You know, they're still taken aback. And they're like, oh my god, what's going on here? And for you, mate, it must have been like, Jesus. There's like, he's these people coming into the house, and you've got the saying, I've got all these symptoms of somebody who's got this disease. All oh, right, anyway, I'll get in the hospital and I'll be okay, kind of thing, you know, because like. You got it quite at the early stages of when all this was going on. Yeah. Didn't you? You got it you got it all the early stages. 
thank God you've made a recovery from it. Uh, but like, you know, when we go in there as crew and we're taking older people than you in, who've already got like COPD and the asthma, because we get all the medical history there as well, you kind of like thinking they're just not going to come out. They're not going to come out. And like, this is the last time whoever, like male or female, in that property with their loved ones are going to see this person. It's the last time they're going to see them. Getting, getting taken out on a stretcher, onto our ambulance, and you see them just stood there at the door, and they're just vacant, and they're like, is, you can see, is, is that the last time I'm going to see them? And it's just, it's awful, it's awful, you know what I mean? And it's it's just, I think this, this conversation that we're having tonight, it's like, I know we've done two of these in the past, it like, it's it just, it brings it, it just brings it back to like how I feel when I'm actually on jobs, just like with you there, Matt, you know, just, it gets you, it gets you like in, in that moment. It's, it's, I'm all right when I come home, you know what I mean? But like whenever I like, you know, you, you, you face to face with people who've suffered from stuff and have gone through things that I've seen, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to like experience. And it's just amazing that you've getting, you've getting through it, mate. It's for you, your family, everybody. Your dad as well was that. Your dad was brilliant on telly, mind. Yeah. He was. He was. He was great on TV. Your dad. He's like, he just got his point across really, like, really well about, like, you know, just stay at home. He did a fantastic job, mate. I know yeah. he's proud of you, and you're proud of him. It's just fantastic. That was the weird thing when you mentioned that. My mum and dad, they hadn't taken it serious. No one had taken it seriously until yeah. that point. And I think the reason it resonated is because it was a either a familiar face or someone who like shit that could be me for the first time um even to myself i sat there to saying afterwards had i not got it had i not been a part of it because i don't know very few people who it's i would have been one of these frustrated and probably whinging and moaning so and i treat everything that every time i mention it this is an absolute gift to go through that to get to that to go through that experience remember the film um michael douglas the game yeah have you seen that when he goes through like and it's all a big thing at the end of it um, is that with the prostitutes? Just that <laughs> bit, yeah. <laughs> um, but even the little one said the other day, she went, we had to go get something from the back of Mel's pub to move the stuff out. So had to move some out of the door. And before we went in, the little one said, what if we opened this door and it was all a big surprise and it was all a big joke? You know, it's sort of like out of the words of an eight-year-old. Yeah. yeah, just imagine if it was. <laughs> um, but like you say, there's a paramed. It happens in so many families. There's a paramedic, the one here came back to get his kit. So I've gone into the ambulance. He was a first responder. He's come back in to put the hand on my wife's shoulder and go, do you know what? They'll do the best. She never, he never said everything's going to be all right. Just yeah. said yeah. the best. And then she sat here and they're told, you can't come. You have to stay here. You have to isolate and they'll be in touch. Yeah, Is that what you got first? Did you get a first responder come to the house first before the crew arrived? Yeah, because we're in we're in Marlow, which is a bit. You've got Stoke Mandeville, twenty miles away, and Wexham Park, another twenty. So you're right in the middle. So they have a first response. So he turned up in a in a first responder car, and I yeah. remember seeing it, thinking, "Well, it can't be that bad." He's going to tell me I've got man flu. And he, he wouldn't have had much kit on him either. Being first no. responders, they've hardly got any. They've got oxygen and stuff, but yeah. He'd, he'd got like a bit of a diagnostic kit and that was it. And, and I think, like I said to you before, and it's good to understand from that side of it, I, I was sat on the bed and they hook you up and everything, put the little thing on your finger, and he just did not say anything. 
He's just staring at his monitor. He twiddled a few things. He only like. He probably didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> his first responders. Was that your twin then? Was that your twin side that rocked up? Is he is he based in Marlow? Yeah, first day on the job. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I wrote it. I wrote on one of the posts that it's that he got on his radio and said, um, "We're going to need a unit, patient critical." Um, oh. For and you know when he sort of. Is Did he you talking? hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he stood yeah. there and he stood in the room and he sort of, and then he yeah. ran outside and got a different oxygen bottle to plug yeah. me into. All you just imagine, it's like being at L4 when someone faints, you like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the, the you were never down at L4, Matt, yeah. <laughs> Get a nosebleed down there. But the, you can, there's loads of little funny bits afterwards when you sit and think. I'm in, we're in a little bungalow and if the bedroom door's open, you can see the front door. And I'm, I'm still a big lad, always will be, and I'll probably have to lose a bit now. But I'm laid in the bed, and he's about five foot two, five stone wet through. And the ambulance turns through, and they've got the stretcher, and they're looking in, and all of them just sort of said together, there's no way you can walk out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm like, yeah. I'll, meet, I'll meet you halfway. I'm sort of shuffling in my pants, trying to get on the yeah, bed. Well, take, uh, take straight away as crew going into your property, bungalow. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. like nine times out of ten, everyone's upstairs, and you're like, "Oh my god!" They've been upstairs. They'd have done a Channel Five documentary. You know, them ones they have to cut out. <laughs> <laughs> so were you like, in the bedroom when you were when you were pooling and everybody turned up? You were in the bedroom. Yeah, it was this weird thing. It was like you realise you're old and you've become a parent. I couldn't move off the couch for like three days, and Mel said, "I'm going to call." She slept on the couch with me. It's like an L-shaped big couch. She even kicked me in the head in the middle of the night. Nice. She said, if you need anything, uh, I'm going to stay with you. And she said, when she called the ambulance, uh, parent Mo kicks in and went, I'll, I'm going to have to get clean pants on and go in the bedroom. With <laughs> yeah. This is, this is what I've always said to Steph, right? I said, if anything ever happens to me, just get some, I don't care, just get some underwear on us. I need underwear on us because yeah. I'm not seeing any of my mates turn up here. <laughs> that, that's the first time, Si. That's the first time in your life. Well, I don't even know. She's interrupting us. She's totally ruined me floor there. There you go. We've been asking you to turn that around. For, oh, she's uh, asked us to do something. Uh, all right, man. You should have got oh, a member. Yeah. Get, get some underwear on because no one's seeing there. Uh, what you mean? Get a sock on it. My asset. <laughs> so, so, Matt, um, can I just jump in and just ask, at what point... Well, I suppose it, like your family couldn't see you. Was that the hardest part when you when you were, were you when you were in the hospital, just thinking about them and thinking, that, you know, consequences? What's what's going through your mind? Yeah, there was a um, the worst part. I say I can always find a joke in everything, but it's probably the first time in my life, even at a funeral. Um, this is the first time in my life where there was you can't really describe it. So you you, you you've gone out the ambulance, you're on a bed, you're in an isolation room in like triage. They've come in full hazmats to get you all tested and everything. And they've done a chest X-ray, like a portable machine comes in. And I always say, if you're in hospital and stuff's happening quickly, you know it's serious. Mm. And um, this woman comes in, and all you, everyone's always got the masks on. And she tried to explain. She goes, we've looked at your symptoms and your history. You've got ill over a period of three weeks. We're looking at your scores. Your vitals are critically low. Your blood pressure's high. Your temperature's 41 your oxygen levels are way below what they could be. Over the next few hours, you're going to start, you won't be able to fight by yourself. Um, so what we're going to have to do, very matter of fact, um, 
we're going to sedate you. We're going to put you on a ventilator. The team will come and measure you up. We'll get you a tube and everything. Um, like, and it is every day to them. Um, and they said, and they're going to, we're going to give you the best support you can. And I think it was, um, I can't remember who it said earlier on. When you get to hospital, you think, oh, it's brilliant now. I'm going to get an injection. They're going to, I'm here, I'm safe now. Mm. And suddenly all that's taken away and they're going, we haven't got any treatment for this. There's no cure for this, but we can give you the best support ever. We've got all the kit ready for you. Um, but just be aware that this is support. And she goes, now's the time. Um, we can get one of the doctors to call your family to explain what's going on. But just to let you know, you'll probably be sedated for a couple of weeks and they'll wake you up and send you back off. And now's the time to speak to your family. If you just want to see, and it, you could tell the intonation in her voice mm. and you're trying to comprehend it and deal with it. Cause you still not. And, and what you find out afterwards is you remember the old hypoxia that kicks in. You've got that. So there's no, I'm not sat there in pain. I'm not sat there like glass stabbing me in the chest. You're getting this sense of almost relief and someone's explaining that to you. And then the next conversation is, how am I going to have that conversation or how am I going to ring them? Do I FaceTime them? Do I send them a picture? Mm. Send them a text? So I asked the doctor to do me one favor. I said, look, I'm going to, I don't want to, I'm not voluntarily going on a ventilator. I don't want to sedate him. If it gets to the point where I'm giving up, that's what I'm happy with. Um, but if there's anything I can do, I want to be in control. It's just a control freak thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I started, she left the room to go ring Mel to let her know what was going on in the next steps. And I started trying to record these messages. I thought I'll do one to Mel and Eleanor together. I'll do one to my mum and dad. Um, and when you watch them back, I can't even remember half the words are in it, but you're sort of saying one word and you, you can try and see some humour afterwards. Imagine opening that and you've got some fat angle of me just trying to sputter out every word. But you, you just, there's no, you can't do it. To be in that situation and try and get some poignant message mm. that some kid can read on a wedding day, or it just, so yeah. I sat there and it, it starts kicking in. You think, what the, sorry if we have to edit the swear words, but what the fuck am I saying goodbye to people for? How, I, absolutely, I can't be in this situation. Um, so I took a picture. So some of the pictures, all the pictures that you see, and me trying to give a thumbs up or, um, sending to me sister or family or medic because they'll put me a different mask on but don't explain it so I was on like like a, the full suite I, I can do a full catalogue now for 3M or wherever I make them but <laughs> they put a different mask on or a different level so I'm trying to take a photo and send it to Mel just going I'm all right let's just pretend this is all right let's not let's not let someone else control it and and that was it that was what I was trying to sort of fight back with it, it must have been quite crazy like the to like uh that one to like actually talk like that and seeing these things this, this i'm gonna do video i'm gonna have to do video like final messages and you're and you must you must be thinking to me i would have been thinking i'm not even i'm not even dying i'm not even dying it's like why am i doing this i'm yeah. i'm not even i'm not that bad i'm you know you are bad but you must be thinking in your head this this isn't happening. It's like I'm not that bad. What the hell's going on here? You know, why am I having to do this? Yeah, it, it, it's it's this ultimate disbelief, and you're not in. I've heard everyone talking about this horrendous pain you're in. The the long it, it wasn't like a pain. It was just a, a more sense of doom. You know, you know, every avmed it was oh this impending sense of doom because you're having a heart attack. Yeah, trying to get a breath in. The, the hardest breath I could get in was like a deep snook. And as soon as it went in, you're coughing uncontrollably. So every bit of air is getting robbed by this 
conference yeah. now. Um, and yeah, it's just this absolute, I'm, I'm laid on the bed and this consultant's talking to me and she's in tears talking to me and you're thinking, oh, hold up love. But then afterwards you sit there and, and I get texts from the doctors and nurses and consultants when they finish their shift. Because when you said about being that perfect patient, every single day they're turning around someone who's talking, they go to the next patient, come back and this person's had a heart attack or mm. they, they've passed away. So there's very few from that hospital who've come out that could sing, talk, dance and, and stay in touch with them and to keep them going that it's actually doing something. It's and you were one of those. I think, I think what was shocking for most of us is because you were a young lad. Well, not only do we know you, you're a young lad, young lad used to play uh, uh, rugby or rugby league. Uh, rugby league. Um, so I think that was came as uh, lacrosse. a bit of a shock. Lacrosse, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, and you supported the Villa. So, yeah, it was quite, 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 quite a shock for all of us. Oh, I saw that face Simon was uh, uh, pulling there. Uh, but, but Matt, so, so, so what are you doing now? Since you, what's happened since you left, you left Virgin? You were a trainer at Virgin. You left after 9-11. Um, what, what, what did you do after that? Yeah, so was it, what, 15 years at Virgin? And I think it was one of them. I remember I didn't get FSM. And I was told quite, what, you know, when you chase it, and you're like, I'm going to be FSM. And you get there and you don't get it. And you've seen all these people who were quite worthy of getting it, but you're like, I can't believe they got it. And they're in it. And I was Trevor told... Jenkins, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be the neck Eric Steen. I wanted to be the neck. <laughs> The legends. Um, but it was Emma Henry who was in charge of crew at the time. She said, I don't know what you're chasing it for. Once you get FSM, that's you done. You'll sit mm. there and you've achieved it and this, that, the other. But you, you, you like the management bit and this, that, the other. Look, just look elsewhere. Like you, you can always come back to Virgin. Just go and apply for loads of different roles. And you think... And you were just, you know, that bored, that itch that you get. Um, and then applied for this BA role and ended up worldwide IBM, so like crew manager for worldwide, which was brilliant because you, you're learning again. You're learning from these, the ones who you're in Narita with in the truck, you know, that were on yeah. like, grand allowances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so did that for five years. And then um, a bloke I met oh, be over 10 years now, a lad from Mumford and Sons. Met him on a flight before they'd sort of set off and he, he was opening bars and restaurants and really wanted to get there. And he's always trying to poach me. He was like, oh, you've got to come and work for me. Let's work together and do this. And his business got to a point where I thought, oh, do you know what? It's worth it. BA was that cyclical thing. Everyone's going on strike again and this is happening and that boredom kicked in. I thought, okay, let's go for it. So end up there. And so I've been there about a year. So head of customer experience, all the training, looking after venues. We've got three in London. And a load of projects in the states, so that's what I'm doing now. You always had the blokes chasing you, though, didn't you, Matt? Do you know? <laughs> Can I just point out that Simon's now moved on to his main course? He's gone through the uh, the starters, and he's now moved into the pepperoni pizza. By the look of it, I, I had a crunch, and the, and the screen shifted to you because of, <laughs> because of the microphone. That was a toenail, mate. <laughs> Well, Matt, the, the, the question that's on everyone's lips is, uh, what was it with the uh, lamb shanks? What first attracted you to them? I love a lamb shank. Yeah. Now, on, on, our, previous, <laughs> on our previous episode, um, Matt Dockery and lamb shank came up uh, together. Uh, actually, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost them. <laughs> no, I think Matt, on, Trev, I don't, have you got your phone because we've got loads of questions that have come yeah, in yeah I'm just going to bring those questions in a minute but I had, to get this across, I had to get this across to Matt um, no no Matt Simon's complaint was when he worked with you and he used to go up the front to, to get a lamb shank 
<laughs> there weren't any left. <laughs> oh <my laughs> He's what, gone. What I, what I said, this is what I said, right? We did it, I, I can't remember where it was, it was a Gatwick. We tossed a coin to see where it would work, right? I lost. <laughs> you ended up up the front. Yeah, yeah. You, got, you got lucky there. I don't know, it was rammed down the back as well. It was rammed. Oh, it was a killer. Couple of crew down. You had nobody up the front with all the lamb shanks. <laughs> right. My flight's I always fully catered. Yeah, you were like that. They, were like, they ended up like toothpicks. You were like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was just to be a toothpick of them. And I could see you in the one doors. I'd look up. I'd be down L4, you know, where you never went. L4, sweat, coming from there, sweat. <laughs> Obviously off the last the night before hangover. And I looked up and I just remember seeing her in the windows like that, like laughing, like, ah, <laughs> oh, having a great, oh, lamb shanks. And I'm like, oh, I was dying, dying. <laughs> well, let's send you some afternoon tea, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yep, a bone in a bread bone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, let's, let's uh, take some questions then. What we got? All right, at least he's back on his Piers Morgan sketch, isn't he? Alex, oh, can we take some that. questions, please? <laughs> uh, Claire Eden, thank God, Matt. It's so lovely to see you. Um, she also mentions the truck and also wanting happy endings. So there's three, three things in one go there from Claire. That's, that's pretty interesting. That's clear for you. Three things in one go. There you go. Um, yeah, Adam says it sounds like almost you know, go serious note, but Adam Kilshaw says it's almost like, sounds like it's almost like you're having to pre-stage your own, your own funeral. I mean, how, how many days in had you been then when you're like questioning your own mortality and you know, all those questions coming? Could you even keep track of time? I don't know. I sent a message. There was one, like the last night in the couch for Mel Rock, she was at work um, and I sent her a message. Like, and it seems quite dramatic now. I was like, you need to come home. There's, I just feel absolutely crap. And I hate, I cannot have a conversation about death. Hate it. Can't plan my funeral, don't know what song. You know that, I can't even talk about it. So the, in my head, if there's nothing, I can't get my head around it. So I've got the biggest fear of death, I won't even have that conversation. So probably should have warmed up to it. But when you sat in that room and you've everything going through your mind, and all I kept thinking was, you must go through a checklist. You're like, well, I've got the insurance through work. I've got all that. Family will be all right for money. Insurance kicks in, everything like that. And you start thinking of it. And you, you're just worried that you're preparing for afterwards. Yeah, so it, it is. I didn't, I didn't choose the shade of the coffin, but it's, uh, <laughs> you, you do, that, that's all you Claret can Claret and blue. Claret yeah, and blue. blue. Yeah, Jack Grealish carrying it. Bang. 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 Stay at home. Whack, whack. Uh, loads of great comment. Jen Parker says, really great to hear both patient and NHS health workers' perspective. Sam Wilcox Lewis L4 brings back the memories. So pleased you're 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 better, Matt. Mike Wilson's uh, joined us as well. Emma Walker is crying with laughter. Fussy Nation has joined us. Sue Upton, Claire Eden, uh, Idico Spinfisher, Paul Edge. Edge says, "All right, boys." Um, uh, where was a question I had? Uh, we had that one about Simon turning his phone into landscape. They preferred you the way you were, actually, Sai. So. Um, so prior to getting the virus it's a good question um, were you sceptical about the disease that many still do 
and that includes myself. Although since then it has no doubt changed your views on everything that we've been watching over the past few months. Yeah, for me, be beforehand, it was, it's just what you saw on the news. You saw it happening in Italy, you saw what was happening in China. All I could think of was, remember, we've all been through SARS, we went through swine flu, that, oh, this, this thing's coming, we're all going to get it. So I wouldn't say sceptical, you knew it was about, but you didn't think that it was going to be the scale it, it is now. Um, and afterwards, now, I haven't fallen out with people because I try and stay away from the politics of it. Because people make it political and people say it's this and it's fear culture. Yeah. I can only speak from my experience of having it and the effect it's had on people. And um, bless him, Ian Johnson, who was one of my CSDs at BA, he passed away with co Wendy's brother. Um, and one of the supervisors at work, he ended up on a ventilator. So I've seen quite closely the effect it has on families, how it's affected my family and the perception afterwards. So what I don't buy into is all this, oh, I'm not, it's the fear culture. It's, it's people trying to um, scare you. Why should I be locked down? And it's once you understand the process and being part of it, we're not locked down so that we don't get it. We're locked down so that we don't spread it to everyone so that the right people get the right help from the right people. I had that beautiful luxury of that hospital ward being empty that I walked in with a dedicated team of nurses and doctors who not as wise as they are now, but knew what they needed to do as much as possible, that that paramedic could have the time to get called out, a first responder and a van to come and get me and, and have that journey without having to worry, am I going to get a ventilator? Um, is the ward going to be full? So when you see that and now the plea is, that could be my mom and dad I'm getting rushed in, that could be Eleanor. The, 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 the worst thought of all of this is if Eleanor ended up in the same situation, there's no, there's no rules for eight-year-olds, she ends up in that ward by herself. She ends up by herself. And just because someone wants to go to the park sunbathing, I get it, critical stuff needs to be done. But just because you want to go to the park and go out for a bit and sit there and go see your mates, um, that's what I don't buy into. Well said. Well, it, be, it becomes like a polit you know, political football, like you say, doesn't it? When you, when, you, when you look at the US and they're like, well, elections are coming in November for Trump and all this kind of stuff. And it's um it's tricky. I mean, interested to know people post up um, who are watching now. We've had literally most people ever, loads and loads of people are watching this. Um, post up. Do you know somebody other than Matt since you've been watching this who has had COVID nineteen? Really interested to know. Kind of do like a cross survey here. Just post up yes or no. Do you know someone who's had it? Because um, we were chatting to this amongst ourselves before. And I've known about three or four people now, but that's only come in maybe in the last two weeks. Prior to that, nobody. And it's like you watch, watching the, you know, watching the news. And unfortunately then, you know, social media just kind of reinforces that the negative vibes everybody's getting from it. But um, Trev, you, for example, did you know anyone before you saw like Matt on, on Sky? No, he, he, he was literally the first person I saw. And that's what brought it home. Not only did you bring it home, it also brought it home, as I sort of mentioned earlier, that somebody so young, uh, uh, could, could yeah. get it and it was that was like a real wow I mean I was, I, was, I was sitting with my daughter and I had to explain that was uh, somebody I knew and and, and it, it was real other than that I haven't known uh, anybody in fact uh, you mentioned Jen Parker who is uh, she said she's, she's watching um, fantastic she, she's crew she's also training to be a doctor at the same time and I believe she's volunteering at a hospital uh, somewhere so a big thank, thank you to, to, to her but other than that I, I, Matt's still the only person that I know who, who's actually had it. 
Lo loads of people posting up fussy saying, yeah, we had a neighbor and one of the school dads who has it. Uh, Wendy, three or four, Julie Chapman, yes. Um, Howard, two people, Sam Wilcox, my friend, also XVA crew, had it, but right near the beginning as it started kicking off there. Uh, Cy, clearly, well, actually, I don't know. Do you get people that you're taking from home who you see presenting symptoms? Do you actually find out about them or are you literally so busy? You're home, you sleep, you're up the next day and you're back out. Uh, I don't want to know what the outcome is with them, to be honest. Like once we, once our two people, yep. who I kind of know really poorly, uh, and we, we get them in there and I don't, I don't really want to know what any uh, outcome is if if I think there's if, if I think there's like kind of a chance of surviving I'm not talking about COVID but I'm talking about like other illnesses like if we've had like like you know like somebody who's arrested and we've, we've kind of got them back to a degree I want to know about those when we've done like CPR on them I want to know if they've made it or not mm. but when uh, when it's somebody like COVID because there's so many of them that were break we used to bring in, it's died off a bit now. I don't really want to know because I think there'd be too many. I get it. Uh, John Deacon's got a good, good question. Has it changed the way you look at life and what has it done to your mindset? Great question. Thanks, John. Um, yeah, it's, it's changed everything. It, it's hard to put into words. There's two things that you, you the mental side of it, you really struggle with. Um, there's no the doctor describes it it's like getting cancer diagnosis a car crash and winning the lottery all in a matter of four days so trying to commute and do with it and only time will help that but the only way to do with it i was, I was you know me i'm a positive person anyway i'm you're yeah. always happy go lucky but um yeah the ultimate positivity i'm i've never been one for instagram posts and this that the other but you get messages saying how you are and everything but your focus on life is i never plan for the future it's always the here and now now there's a strategy health i will never take my health for granted again i've been called big matt for about 20 odd years ever since i think i was born um but you know the, yeah, now that was just for your nose yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but your family you get annoyed every two minutes you know anyone who's got a kid you can oh you they come and they annoy you you're in the middle of something you, you you check yourself all the time you appreciate what you've got your family still haven't hugged me mom and dad or sisters and brothers I'm, I'm, you, you still haven't I've, I've come home to my wife and little one and that's it so all have you, you mates, not dad, have you not seen your mum and dad yet no they're, they're up in Leeds so we still FaceTime but I haven't physically seen them um, how hard is that man it's like, it's, man. it's yeah. like I've not seen my mum and dad either like for two, like two months it's a you know oh you know it's mental man I mean, it? it's, sorry from your point of view um, a uh, friend of mine her husband uh, does a similar role to yourself and he's been going home, uh, literally, you know, taking all his clothes off, putting them in the washing machine, going in, having a shower. And then literally, I think a week ago, um, my, my friend texted me and said that he had taken the decision to literally move out of the house to keep the family safe. And like the girls were in tears and obviously she was really upset as well. Um, what, yeah, interested to know your thoughts on that. Has that crossed your mind? And you no, know, what, well, there's been a few uh, of the lads who've done that, like at our place, but they've done that because, like, either the, so, the, the sons or daughters have had a few medical conditions, yeah, or the wives. I think it's a somebody, thing, somebody in the yeah. family have had like some sort of like kind of like men, uh, medical condition, yeah, so they've distanced themselves. Yeah, and some of the places in Northumberland, great places, were like putting them up and uh, letting them use their facilities. 
for a short period of time. Uh, and like when I've had a few uh, of those jobs, I'm I'm lucky like the house that we're in. There's like it's there's a few like loads of different areas we can like I can isolate. So I would stay downstairs while they'd be like you know on the other floor kind of thing you know. Uh, so I've I've been lucky enough to kind of like isolate myself when when I've been presented with like a kind of COVID experience, let's say. But no, I would. Uh, I've not needed to like move away. But some people have done that. Cheers. Got got some great questions coming in. Paul Davis, uh, top bloke. Uh, Matt has spoken about the mental side of things. Are there any repercussions of doubt and depression now that you're you're on the other side of this? Hey, Paul. Good to hear from you, mate. Um, yeah, there's, there's yeah two sides to it. The, the overwhelming sense is guilt. Um, you go through it and you're surrounded by other patients that don't come out of it. And you, you, you try and reason why you, who's probably bigger, fatter, older than, I mean, the, the weekend I was in there, the Saturday, there was the 21 year old girl from Wickham. She passed away in that same war, that same hospital. And you, you understand, you just can't work out why. And the, and the next side of it is there's people being released and going home by themselves. If I didn't have these two to keep you going and to keep you focused and your reason to be in front of you every single day, it might be a different picture because when you're sat with your own thoughts and you're thinking about it, that what if question, you're like, oh, what if this happened and I have done that? There's, there's so much regret that goes with it. But, but then, are, you, are you like that now though, Matt? You, have, you, have you got that clarity now that where like you, you've got to understand that everybody's different, everybody's immune system's different yeah. and everybody handles it in a different way. And like, yeah, you've been lucky. Thank God you've been lucky and you've getting through it. Some people aren't as lucky, and you haven't got to dwell on that too much. No, and, just think and, of the positives. Like, just think of the yeah. positives. You, you're there. You've got through it. You've got your family, and uh, you know, and you've just got to move forward. You know, you just yeah. do. And, it, and I do, and I always use the tagline <coughs> "it's a gift." And what the luxury I've had from this is, I can still speak to all those Madhu and ICU doctors and consultants. We had a program through our company that we work for called Core Performance, who are working on health and business and, and keeping you focused anyway. So I've got every expert to speak to. But when those phone calls go away and you sit there, you have to remember that paramedic worked his ass off to get me into hospital. They came in and made all those decisions that could have been the other way to get me where I am. And, and as they say now, you could line 10 people up with no rhyme or reason, flick the same virus at them all, and you wouldn't be able to tell who makes it and who doesn't. This, this underlying health condition... And the, it was the, the consultant who said it. He said, people come into intensive care with underlying health conditions all the time, but they get better and they walk out. That's what intensive care is there for. With this, that's what's happening. Everyone has an underlying health condition, but they don't really find out until afterwards. So mm -hmm. don't think when you sat there, oh, I'm fine. You might have a heart problem you don't know about. You might have a lung problem you've never known about. Um, and that, that's the scary bit. But yeah, I do take solace and I do take positivity in all the advice that you get. And the main thing is just listen to people's advice. You NHS guys are the experts. You deal with it every day. I deal with it once, come home and sit there thinking about it. But you're dealing with it a hundred times and it's the same result. So that's what you've got to think of. But are you quite are you quite good as well though? Like when you do come home, do you talk about stuff? You don't bottle these things up in your head and make, make like have a little cyclone going on? Yeah, it's, you it's, get it out. Yeah, it's taken a while. But the problem is then you, you move on to the next question. The next question, I was literally sat here last night going, I'm not a deeply religious person. 
that there's this point where hypoxia is kicking in and you, it's almost like that euphoria and you sat there and I can completely imagine that is when people go, oh, that's it. That's when you see the tunnel and all the, that. There's nothing dramatic like that happen. You just got a sense of relief. Now, if I'm religious, do I sit there and go, right, I just completely give in now because it's my time and the Lord above's going to take me and I say a prayer and that's it. Has been not religious saved me or would I have been completely different? Or It's the what is, but what's great is I can sit and have a debate to Mel um, long into the night over it. The, the one who can't discuss it and she's within earshot is, is Eleanor. She's eight years yeah. old. She's yeah. And she's an expressive person. And we can't even have a discussion about it. And, and she does close up about it. So it, it's that. And she will get the right help and we'll be able to talk just about keep, it. Wait, but just keep talking to your parents. Keep talking to, your, yeah. to the missus and just, you know... And just like, just keep talking, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. you're doing it anyway, you know what I mean? We're doing it now, you know what I mean? We're doing it yeah. always, yeah, document- this is why this is so good. Yeah, and the fact that you're documenting <laughs> it as well, um, by writing it down, I mean, personally, I think it's better off as a podcast, but, you know, that's just, uh, <laughs> that's just me. Um, I speak to you three every week. <laughs> um, loads of bloody questions. I've just extended the time. I know if people want to need to leave at eight, that's cool. We've still got loads of bloody people online, guys. So if, if you're cool, Matt, to answer another couple of questions, we've, we've got more, and they'll also come back to He's size. He's shanks about the ping. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was a call bell, sorry. That was a call bell. Remember them? That well, he ain't thing. getting up for it. <laughs> Do you know what? I always, I always remember being on a flight and um, I can't remember what things and dongs it was, but uh, li- literally going, we needed a defib. And I, I'm like running to L1. I get there and Darren Moore, who is an FSM now, and he wasn't at the time, is there as well. And he looks at me and goes, where's the defib? I was like, I don't know. Where's the fucking defib? <laughs> All goes out the window, doesn't it? Yeah, we found it though, we did find it. I think it's in my bag. It's in my bag. It's a tie in with Fassi, funnily enough. That's why I mentioned it. Uh, question Matt, what positive promises have you made for yourself in the future? This isn't an SEP multiple choice question. That's a good question. Nice and Fassi. All of the above. Just go with the longest one, yeah? <laughs> Every time. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So now we've got about five more minutes. There's a, a guy who, part of our company, creative director called Ross Sterling. Um, he's the one who he walked up his uh, stairs 6,000 times to the, the equivalent of a, a mountain to raise some money for the NHS. And he's, he's walked, he's done Everest's. He's done every major, he's tracked Antarctica, he's done everything for charity and war child. The guy's an absolute legend. And when I was struggling and trying to get out of it, um, he sent me a message. And every day he sent me a message of positivity. So I got a message from an ex-Saracens and Wasp guy who broke his neck. I'm getting, I'm getting voice messages from people who you think, wow, they've got it bad. I'm, I've just sat on my arse and beaten this. But these are paraplegics who are going, oh, well, I did this and set goals. And the whole concept was set a goal bit by bit. So it was, right, tomorrow I'm going to do this, I'm going to do my breathing exercises. And, and you do set goals bit by bit by bit. And then the goals and promises bit comes afterwards. So I'm signed up for a half marathon in November for charity and dedicated it to it rather than go, I'm going to go do it because you're, 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 in the, you're in the mainstream then, you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the health, the good bit about this, I banged a stone and a half off in hospital and hasn't gone back on. Um, again, there's no airs and graces about being in those dependency wards. You do it on a commode and someone <laughs> has to come in and clean it up. 
bless them. That's why. They're, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the weight, the health, the family, that everything that makes up your life that you've questioned, you make a promise and a goal for. So yeah, the health, going out on a run, all the places you want to go. I'm going back to Lake Como because it's the most beautiful place ever. Mm. To go on that holiday that you whinge about and never save for, all of those things, but do it in a proper way. Nice. Um, Kaylee Godden says, how do you feel now, Matt? Are, are you fully recovered? And, and following on from that um, uh, question, I'm just trying to find where it was again, but have they told you, you know, what are the possibilities of it coming back? And I, I think I was, we were chatting off air. I was chatting to the Cobra Beer fan, a little Billamore yesterday. And he said, you know, he'd been told that because he had it, the antibody should mean that he doesn't get it again. But have you any, any advice that you've been given in, in that regard? Yes. It's still conflicting and it's probably down to medical opinion. Um, I've got one consultant saying, if we've got a couple of strains, your antibodies should keep you there for five years and everything should be okay. But then I'm also speaking to the doctors and nurses who there's people in the hospital testing positive again, but they don't know whether it's the faulty test or not. So there is no confirmed proof. So I'm going to take, I'm going to go best case scenario of that. There's a chance you can get it again. I'm not going to yeah. be running out anywhere. I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'll just follow exactly what the guidelines are to, to keep myself guarded. Yeah, that was Wendy. Thank you, Wendy, for that one. Um, I had a load more questions. Let me find uh, Claire Eden says, Matt, we all love you. Let's all get together very soon. Virgin family through and through. We're on lockdown, Claire. You can't. <laughs> get back inside. What are you doing? I've, I've, got, a, I've got a quick one, right? Uh, it's like... You know, obviously, having this, let's not beat around the bush, like, a, like you know, near-death experience, right? You know what I mean? You, you, you know, you come closer than, like, any of us all have. Uh, do you not feel like pulling a sickie was a bit excessive? <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where he was going with that one. Yeah? I was wondering where he was not going. I think you were taking the mickey a bit. <laughs> <laughs> And I hope there'll be some disciplinary procedure in place because, you know, you cannot pull that one. The joys I realised from going crew to management is you don't go sick, you work from home. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have that luxury, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Adam, Adam Kilshaw says, what are your thoughts with some people who've been crying because they've been locked in a million pound mansion and can no longer stand it to those who live in a small flat with no garden and external area to get out boom i yeah it it pains me when you see oh, what room am i going to go to today or this i i honestly feel like it's frustrating that i don't know if you saw the governor of new york today he was or there was a, a, a press conference and he was challenged on the same thing he was like People have a right to go to work. People have a right to leave the house. And he just said it plain and simple. You can, but it equals death. Yeah. You leaving your house equals death. If you want a job, there's loads of key worker jobs. Go, go be a key worker. Not the job that you had before. We'll pay for you. It, you're going to kill someone. Whether you, whether you see it or not, it's just an invisible thing. People are sitting in their million-pound mansions, who, and I live in Marlow, so you see quite a lot of them, who are texting and whinging and going, oh, I just want to go out and get to normal and, They'll find the next person who agrees with them and the next person and they'll sit in the pod going, oh, it's so bad, isn't it? But you watch the news, it's the whole world is in exactly the same situation. And yeah. it, the horrendous bit, it does leave, there's domestic abuse going up, there's mental yeah. health issues going up, but the next bit, it's death. That, that's what this equals. There's 20, 22, that's like the equivalent of the O2 just wiped out like that. 
that is 20 or thousand deaths plus all the care homes plus the ones we don't know about um i, I still talk to like a few of my mates who like live in delhi and like it's still on complete lockdown there's nothing they send us videos of like what's going on like on the streets we all know what delhi is like on any given day mm. delhi's there's no one around there's nothing going on they don't not even a cow crossing the street. They're all staying. <laughs> what about an elephant? You know what Are I mean? Elephants? <laughs> elephants gone. Elephants away. They're all staying in the little huts going, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, everyone's doing as they're told, like in these countries. And they're not, they're not two doors down. You yeah. know, that's bloody do me head in. It's yeah, probably... driving me nuts. When you watch it on the news, and I've seen it on Instagram, like some of the crew doing the amazing relief lights going backwards. There's yeah. people out in Hong Kong, you can go have a drink. You, the, the beaches are open. We had a in Oz, yeah. with our, our office over in the States, and they, they, he lives in North Florida, and the beaches are starting to be open, and Bondi Beach. Mm. So we sit here going, well, if it's all right for them. Australia's had double-digit deaths or whatever it is, and yeah. New Zealand's yeah. been on completely lockdown. We are, we, when you include the... Um, the care home figures that they did yeah, today. Double, isn't that? We're, yeah. the, we're right. almost the worst. Yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. there and we're, and we're there. It's On ridiculous. Final, final light. So there'll always be a statistic or there'll always be, which is why I try and give such a human face to it and anyone else that I know, because you can sit there and the, word, the number 612 deaths means nothing mm. unless that's one of your family. And once it is, then, then that's what makes Sorry. it different. But, but yeah. I thought the UK, I thought you, you the United Kingdom, like, you know, we're supposed to be like like one of the best in the world, aren't we? The UK, the UK, great, and we've got the crappest figures, almost the the worst figures, Gannon. It's yeah. like ridiculous. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Warren says, yeah, 1.2 billion people in India. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just nuts, isn't it? The the differential in the in in the figures that we get. Uh, Georgie Weeks has joined us. Georgie Weeks, how the devil are you? Chicken drumstick. Here it comes, Georgie Weeks. <laughs> she knows that one. Yeah, you can tell us that another time, so maybe not now. Uh, um, Mandy Noble uh, Middleton says, are, and a couple of people have said this actually, um, are you back to full health, would you say, or have you been told? Or Yeah, I've got, um, I've got some follow-up chest x-rays. Um, in terms of symptoms, yeah, the, the breathing, you still catch your breath every now and again. There's, there's, there's repetitive stuff that, just happens anyway. Um, I've still got a little bit of wheezing, so you don't know what the lasting damage are. There's, you could have scarring on your lungs. As far as I sat here now, I feel all right. Um, so that that's the good bit. I say there's, like I've just talked about then, there's the mental side of it, which you get help with and you can talk and, and that'll get better. That just takes time. Um, but then every day you're getting new information about what it can cause, like pulmonary problems and an underlying condition. So I'm getting all the care, I'm getting the checks out, I'm getting the x-rays in the next week or so. Um, but yeah, getting there, getting there. Nice. Good to hear. Uh, Fassi says we had, we had Claire's granddad at the end of uh, life care in our own house and we, we had to have a chat with Lily about the fact of death that the care nurse made us do it. Now Lily understands a lot more about it. He passed away in the living room on a hospital bed. He had all of his family around him and had a great send-off. Luckily, Lily was at school at the time. That made me grow up in a, in a big way. Yeah, sorry to hear that, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Likewise. Sure. Likewise. 
Trev, gonna hand it. We've we've ran over, but um, you know, there's a before I, I'll hand hand over to you, Trev. There's loads of people. Um, John Deacon. I didn't know John. You left Virgin four years ago. Um, he, he echoes the get together. Would love to catch up with everybody when we're from free from lockdown. Um, a uh, few other people have, have echoed that as well. Um, and, and, you know, that goes without saying from my point of view. We mentioned that on last week's show. Love, love to do that, everybody. Georgie Weeks, she's come back, Simon. She's come back. <laughs> Just worked out how to comment. <laughs> Just worked out how to comment. Georgie Weeks, come on. Uh, Chicky Drumstick, lots of laughing emojis. Love seeing you guys. Big kiss. Yeah. Georgie. Trev. Take it away. Right, yeah, no, I was going to say, um, firstly, again, another thanks to Simon from all of us and everyone who works in the uh, NHS. And Matt, are you and your family now clappers on a Thursday? <laughs> Mate, I, I could not clap loud enough. It's my, I have an emotional breakdown every Thursday. Um, yeah, pause the TV, go outside. Um, I've had plenty of rows with those who are boycotting, boycotting the clap and I put, I put a post on today. One of my, um, my Madu nurses, she came back from COVID. She'd been off for three weeks. She came back on shift today. So that's who the claps for every Thursday. It's not politics. It's not, it's not nothing behind it. You're clapping for people like Sai and them go to work. Whether they love it or not, there's someone out there it makes a massive difference to. So just do it. And do you know what? I didn't know any one of my neighbours on this road until I got carted out in an ambulance. And you know all mm. of them by now. Obviously from a safe distance, but... <laughs> <laughs> every single one of them comes out everyone makes a noise it's a real sense of community so don't make it political don't make it an, an ulterior motive just go out make a noise and and just immerse yourself in it i don't think we'll have this ever again no i don't uh, uh, thank you matt so much for uh, uh coming yeah. on so uh, oh, as soon as i saw, I really, yeah. awesome so really, really appreciate it uh simon and alex as always thank you so, so much it's, it's great chatting to you lot um and although I haven't seen you really in the flesh, honestly, I've, I just feel like I really love meeting up with you guys uh, every week. Uh, I do forget about the other people. In fact, I forget to contribute because I'm so busy watching you lot on the uh, on, on the screen uh, chatting. But thanks, everyone. Uh, love to Mel, Matt. Okay, and I haven't seen her for years. Is she still with Virgin, by the way? Did she leave her? No, she's uh, general manager of a pub in Marlow now. So, oh, right, okay. Yeah. So we're both... Both left flying and both run venues now, so. Yeah, okay, and uh, again, thanks to Steph uh, as well, and Carly. Uh, Carly hasn't made an appearance uh, today on, t on today's uh, show. She said she would, but no, you, you, you've been... She's, she's actually under my table. <laughs> but Carly? Yeah. <laughs> Is that how you just gave the second pepperoni pizza to? Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that come across the screen earlier, mate. He likes the hot peppers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, guys, before you go, one bit of news. Uh, my volunteering, it's worked out quite well for me. On Thursday, I'm starting my NHS volunteering, but you never guess where they're going to put me. Delhi. No, Delhi, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Watford Football Club. of an elephant. No, Watford Football Club, which is right next to Watford General Hospital. Get uh, out of town. No, no, I can't believe it. No. What, are you going to be a Troy Deeney lookalike? <laughs> well, I am with these red marks here, if you see from the uh, from, from the sun, yeah, <laughs> Deeney. Um, now I'm going to have a bit of a chat. Watford may be relegated this season, uh, but at least they've they've done something. They've opened up. You might have seen it on the news today. They've opened up the football ground uh, to all of these staff at, uh, at Watford General, 
and so I'm going to be there helping out. I've, I've had messages. Oh, well, good yeah, stuff, Ryan there, good stuff. A, uh, Norwegian. So it's no, it's going to be pretty good. That starts uh, Thursday. I have no idea what it's going to be like, uh, but I've been dying to get in for ages. Nightingale. So you've been dying to get out of the house. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I've, I've been out of the house. <laughs> I go for my little run every day. Living with 83 females. the toilet and back. Yeah. <laughs> it's an outside loo. Yeah. But no, once again, Matt, thank you very much. And cheers, you guys, cheers, cheers. Thank you for coming in the group. Really well appreciate done. it. Uh, we're going to be the world, but we're still getting loads of amazing messages, guys. Um, John Feetham says, great live that. Good to see you, boys. Alex Trev, well played side. Keep up the good work. And Matt, great recovery. Keep on working on the match fitness. Julie Chapman, thank you, guys. Great podcast again. Stay safe and well all. Emma Walker, well done, Trev. Kaylee Gooden, amazing Trevor. Mark Kavanagh, great to see you, boys. Mark Crouch has just pinged in. Lots of rounds of applause from Paul Davis and Edgy. Paul Edge says, love this every week. So, right. what's he doing? He's got a third pizza coming in. <laughs> no, just fingers, right. made fingers. Peace out, everybody. Been a lovely audience. Appreciate Thank you. Love you, love you guys. Well yeah. done, Matt. Cheers, Matt. Cheers. Cheers. I know. Thanks well done, Matt. Bye-bye. Great stuff. Bye-bye-bye. our podcasts for future episodes, please contact us at hello you at notjustcrew.me.